0: So welcome to the first leadership podcast from the Bullock Institute. This is a new concept about training proven leaders through accredited master's level degree, and we're excited to welcome you. I'm Scott Weatherford, and I'm kind of hosting this podcast, and I've been a pastor for 41 years, pastored in Texas and in Florida and in Alabama and even in the great nation of Canada. And a lot of experience in planning churches and church revitalization so coming into the part of being part of this team of the Bullock Institute to lead well. Now our leader is Dr. Will McRaney, and he is the uh, president of the Bullock Institute, and I'm going to let him introduce himself. So Dr. McRaney, tell us a little bit about about who you are and what God has placed on your heart as you lead the Bullock Institute.
1: Well, Scott, thank you for that. I just kind of a pleasure to join here tonight today with you and and Mickey Pittman, our good friends, and and uh, to. Work at developing proven leaders, and we need we need desperately need this. I've, I've been engaged with church life from church planting, pastor church, pastor church right now, actually, the Island Chapel here in Terra Verde, Florida. But on, on top of that, I've been a seminary professor for 11 years at New Orleans Seminary, teaching in the area of evangelism, church planting. Did a lot of research, a lot of writing uh, through the doctoral work, and through my work as a, as a staff member there. I wrote. Uh, Wrote the art of personal evangelism. So I've written in the in the area of church planting and, and evangelism a good bit, and dealing with personal evangelism and in church evangelism as well, and um, consulted and coached uh, churches uh, through the through the years all across the country. And so I'm just really excited about this new approach that we have to actually train guys in the middle of the context of doing ministry, and actually when there's a support system around them, with our whether in the degree tract. Or in their already existing leader, and we're helping them to to enhance their skills. And so I'm just really, uh, really, really glad to be a, joining ha- arms with you guys and uh, advancing uh, leadership. Mickey?
2: Yeah. So I'm Mickey Pittman, and currently I'm an executive pastor in Tampa, Florida. And I've been in ministry for somewhere between 17 and 20 years, depending how you count it. If you count early youth ministry time, sometimes I just thought I was having a good time there. Uh, looking looking back, but. Uh, uh, before my time in ministry, I spent time in the U.S. Army as a graduate the U.S. Army Ranger School. Probably the thing I'm most proud of from that experience uh, was the ability or the opportunity uh, to lead 25 of my fellow graduates to Christ uh, during Ranger School. It changed my life. It, it took me off a physical objective of becoming a Ranger and put me into a spiritual objective of leading others to Christ. It, it changed my world. It changed everything about my life. Uh, after a parachute injury, uh, a second parachute injury, which I tried to hide desperately to stay in my unit, which I was a part of at Fort Bragg and, 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 and really failed to hide it. Uh, it, it <laughs> injuries hurt, right, and there are consequences. Um, I had the opportunity to work on Wall Street and develop leaders for the third largest bank uh, in the world. And uh, since that time, I've been building uh, special, opera- special operations training programs uh, with one of my mentors. We have a blast doing that. Um, I'm an owner with a group of partners in three restaurants, uh, which I love, and we've turned them into uh, covert churches. And then I've had the opportunity to be a college, a young adult, uh, a men's pastor, and now an executive pastor. So thanks for having me.
0: Dr. Mack, you're welcome. We're glad you're here. And Mickey, of course, it's always good to see you, my fearless friend. And let's have a great conversation. Today, our topic is kind of launch things, is dealing with difficult people. I don't think there's a pastor on this planet who doesn't have to deal with some kind of difficulty, and sometimes people are difficult from birth sometimes they they, they drifted to difficulties through a lot of different things. but what want to kind of talk about that, and let's talk about the situation and talk about the solution so I'm going to throw it to uh to Mickey first, Mickey, as who you are as a warrior and a and a and a trained executive pastor. Tell me about the kinds of situations you find yourself in. In dealing with, first of all, how in the world do you identify someone? This is a difficult person.
2: Well, I think the uh, number one thing is the shepherd knows his flock, right? And so, I, I, I all the time come across pastors, they're elusive pastors. I, uh, uh, I heard of a pastor one time who would who would come in a different entrance than his staff and leave out of a different exit, so that he would not have to have kind of real conversations with them and this is a true story. I know this to be a true story, but I never really understood what was happening, uh, because a shepherd should know his flock. Right. And so, uh, as you can imagine in that case, it didn't go well for that, for that senior pastor, right? He, he never, uh, cemented community among his team and it was just disaster after disaster. So the first thing is if you're a pastor you have to know that whether it be a staff member or an elder or a deacon or a small group leader or someone on your worship team, if you're not willing to be in their life, you're going to have problems.
0: Wow. So being socially aware, knowing, knowing the people you're working with. And what do you think, uh, Dr. McGranny, uh Will,
1: how would you respond to that? Well, certainly what Mickey's, he's provided some insights there for us. You know, we think of church life, we think about uh, enjoying church life. And uh, we recognize that people, we deal with imperfect people and you have imperfect, <laughs> that's right, imperfect people and imperfect organizations. And so actually we, we lead and we train even in the midst of these. I know that we recognize these sometimes and we want to uh, deal with these difficult problems or difficult situations. But actually they're teaching uh, moments for us as we provide leadership actually to the church. And so um, people aren't just the problem. They may be a problem, but they're not the end uh, they're actually they that's who we're ministering to and through as we uh, as we try to live for Jesus.
0: Wow! So what I'm hearing you saying, Doc, I think is great advice, and of course, Mickey as well. First of all, we have to be self-aware. You know, are we aware of who we are and what we're about? Then, are we socially aware about how we're connecting and talking to people? And uh, Dr. Maraney, uh, McCraney, I know that one of the um, one of the resources we have is about the heart attitudes of your own heart and how we relate to one another. I want to say something might sound a little humorous, but if there are no difficult people in your life, it's probably you that is difficult. Uh, So that piece of self-awareness and then understanding uh, students. And Mickey, I kind of smile when you talk about the pastor coming in and out. Most of the problems in organizations or churches start with the pastor. The pastor is the biggest problem. And so, you know, as Shakespeare said, to thine own self be true, to know ourselves and to be aware of ourselves and, and to be aware of the people we work with. So I want to throw it over to, to you, Dr. Mack, and talk a little bit about these heart attitudes. And this is a resource the Bullock Institute provides to help you really become aware of yourself as you deal with your own difficulties to diff- deal with other people's difficulties. What are these heart attitudes? Where do you find them? How do you develop them? So give us a little help on that.
1: Well, we named the Bullock Institute after Pastor Harold Bullock, a long time, uh, mentor and friend to me, started Hope Church in Fort Worth in the late 70s. They've started well over 100 churches in the U.S., numerous churches uh, internationally as well. And uh, early on in his ministry, he, he started thinking about what are the ways that you could summarize biblical teaching so that whether a person was a new to the faith or they had known uh, Jesus for a long time and very mature in their faith, that they could live out their faith and, and um, put them on the same, on the uh, same playing ground, level ground, kind of a, as you, as you, as you speak. And so what he did was he came up with seven hard attitudes and it summarizes much of the new Testament. The first four deal with how people relate to one another. And then the last three deal with how people relate to the church, because the idea of church life is to be enjoyable. You know, we don't want, to, we don't want to just exist in church life. We actually want to enjoy it. And if we have some clear bottom lines, Harold determined these, and they've been proven out in many, many different countries, in many different churches. Um, you know, often in church life, if we're not careful, what we get is the people that uh, we hold up the highest are the people, maybe that's not living for Jesus, but people that just know the most Bible trivia. And so the great thing about these hard attitudes, it sets some clear bottom, some clear bottom lines when a person joins their church and actually even joins our church here at the Island Chapel in Tierra Verde, we ask them to commit to grow in these hard attitudes. So let me give them to you. The first one is to put success and interest of others above my own, straight out of Philippians. Um, that covers most everything if we think of not just being selfish, but the interest of others. And again, we don't do this perfectly, but we continue to work at it. The second one is to clear up relationships as soon as possible. And so we recognize we're going to have conflict whether it's in your home or it's at work or at play or inside the church. It's, it shouldn't be a surprise to us. And so the, what the scripture would teach us, straight out of Matthew and other places that we want to clear up those relationships. often it's just misunderstanding or misinformation. and so if we'll cut things off of early on and, and commit to do that, then we can we can deal with difficult situations and some difficult people. The third one is to live an open and honest life before people. You know the word hypocrite actually involves being an actor. And so in the church life, we're really trying to have transformation on the inside. And we want the person on the inside to match the person we're, we're communicating on the outside. You know, you never go to the doctor and say, I'm going to I'm gonna keep the secret as to what's going on in my life. And, and I'm not telling what's wrong. And so the point is, is that it, the Bible doesn't really teach transparency. It teaches discretion. But it does t- teach us to live an open, honest life. In other words, we we give and we take and we understand that we're dealing with problems and issues in our own lives and others as well. And then the fourth harder attitude is to give and receive spiritual correction. And we're talking about 90% encouragement and 10% in correction. But if we don't give correction, then we're actually not loving a person as well as we could love them. And the same thing is true for us. You know, We want to give it and to receive it. Uh, often when we go through the book, the heart attitudes book that, that uh, Harold has written, um, I ask people, do you do you um, would you prefer to give or to give or to receive spiritual correction? And the answer is usually neither one. They're, they don't like to give it, and they prefer not to to uh, to get it uh, as well. And so these heart attitudes can help us as we relate to one another. And then the last three kind of relate to how we relate as a church to the church. And so I believe if we would just commit to those kinds of things, often we can nip some things in the bud, or at least we can be willing to grow and confront them as they as they as they come up.
0: That's so helpful, amazing, and uh, that resource is available. Will, where can we get that resource?
1: I think you probably get it on Amazon or or any other uh, major uh, book uh, dealership. Here's I actually have a copy with me right here, and this is kind of what it looks like. And Harold just produced this about uh, a year ago, a little longer than that, maybe a year and a half ago. But he's been he's been uh, building his church and many other churches have built their interpersonal relationships in their church around these these hard attitudes. And so he put it in the book form. And so back to the original question, a pastor has to look at himself. Am I. Am I running the church to my best interest, or am I trying to put the interest of others above my own? It's easy to lead in such a way that this benefits me. Am I am I clearing up relationships, or am I trying to live perfectly, you know, and and uh, act like I don't have problems? Or, and if I'm gonna live an open, honest life, again, that, you don't have to reveal everything that's going on. But am I basically the same person in the pulpit that I am uh, in the pew? And then am I gonna am I open to giving giving and receiving spiritual correction? The danger for a pastor then becomes a danger for the church is if I so isolate myself and insulate and put up barriers around me that no one can speak truth into my life. And someone said, actually, it's a very wise person. She actually resides in my house as my wife. Sandy says, truth is so so rare to be spoken that it actually comes across or it's received often as being harsh when it's just simply the truth.
0: Gosh, that's such a good word. Cause I heard the statistic that if, People just told the truth. 97% of our problems would go away. And uh, I don't know about that figure. Of course, I've heard liars figure and figures lie. So whatever. Um, Now, Mickey, in your years of experience in the military, you'll go into a hostile area where there are literally difficult people that you encounter. How, How in the world do you go about removing the influence? And maybe this is another podcast. Removing the influence of a difficult person over a congregation or over a culture of people. How do you go about removing that influence so you can create a, an influence of help and health? Yeah. So, you know,
2: I, I think uh, the number one thing you need to think about as a pastor is that um, you have to be prepared, you know, for spiritual warfare, right? Um, if you are a senior pastor and you say, I just want to go to uh, Tampa Church, and I just want to teach, and I just want to uh, study, and I just want to have a great worship service on Sunday morning, and then I just want to spend time with my family, uh, I would suggest that you are in the wrong job, right? And that, uh, the you know, for, for so many people, for so many pastors, they think of, uh, especially senior pastors, they think their work is done on Sunday morning, and what I would say is Sunday morning just gets you to the table, just gets you a seat at the table of the real work of the church. And so the first thing, the the, and the problem we see is that so many senior pastors and pastors in general, they don't have their mind right when it comes to exactly what ministry is. And um, it's killing us. I mean, it's, ki- it's literally killing the church in America uh, because we have so many people that think, oh, you know, this idea of being a pastor is I'm up on stage and I'm celebrating and I give this great oratory talk and then people clap and then I get to ride off in the sunset, and uh, you are not the Lone Ranger, and uh, your worship pastor is not Tonto, and this is not how it really works. It's not, right? And so, yeah, so, you know, the thing is, you've got to be prepared for battle. And uh, I actually had a, I'll finish this little clip. I had a a senior pastor one time just come to me uh, and say, you know, Mickey, um, I just want to have peace. I just, I just want, I just want. To have peace, I just wish this was a place of peace. And I said, I told him, I said, you're at the wrong place. Uh, that is that is not what you signed up for. You know, I mean, you you might could go be a chaplain somewhere, or, you know, or, or or who knows, maybe get a job in sales. But but as a senior pastor, you have to be willing to fight for what is right for your people, fight for the truth of the gospel, and then fight to actually get the the mission the discipleship mission, the great commission done. And I said, if you're not here at this church to do battle, you probably need to move on.
0: Yeah, I think that the scripture is very clear. We're in a spiritual battle. I remember one Sunday, I felt really distinctly an impression from God to call out the spirit of division and disunity in a church that I was leading. And I stepped up and made that call. And then all hell broke loose. It's because I I called out the demon and all hell broke loose. And uh, needless to say, I'm no longer at that church. Um, but we are in a raging battle for the hearts and souls and lives of men and women, boys and girls. And if it, if we're not giving our best efforts and our brightest minds in our whole lives, then we are not going to be victorious in this. So we don't need to have a Pollyannish view, but we also don't need to have a defeated view. One of the things that I'll throw this out to you guys and see what you think about this. Um, what I've seen over the course of ministry is some different kinds of people in their difficulties some people are just driven by their preference and they're difficult because they're not getting their way. And I would call those spiritually mature. And people that are spiritually mature, we give them grace, we give them love, we give them encouragement, and we we have to bottle feed them every now and then and change their diaper and correct them. And what you were talking about, Will speaking the truth and love to them. And then some people are um, well, they're just they're just clumsy, they're just awkward. They just do things and they're not even aware of it. They're they're not necessarily ignorant, but they're just awkward. And we have awkward people in the church. And I think everyone knows that, that, that the church in itself, the kingdom of God attracts the broken and the maligned and the awkward. And this is what I've come to, to learn. If you've got awkward people in your church, people that are challenged awkwardly, it means God trusts you to love them. As a pastor, he trusts you to love them. So you shouldn't look at them and go, oh my gosh, here's this person again that's got blah, blah, blah. That, okay, there's this person again. And I have an opportunity to love them, make them feel valued. And then last thing, some people are just downright mean. They're just mean. And uh I heard Bill Heibel say this: that most pastors leave a church because the meanness of eight people are less. Now, what do y'all think about that when I say that? The people are ignorant, people are just sloppy, or just maybe just they're just broken. Our people are, are just evil or just mean. What see, Dr. McGrady, from your vast learned world, what do you what do you think about
1: that? Do you think that's a true statement? Yes, certainly certainly people are different levels. If so people are immaturity, you're right. We get we give them grace. We try to help them grow. Um, sometimes people are just kind of awkward, they just stumble, they have different culture, different backgrounds. I mean, and I, I spent most of my life below I 10, which is very far south to me going north was actually going to Birmingham, but, but, uh, people are different, different parts of the U S they just relate differently. And people have different personalities and different strengths. And we want to, we want the multiplicity of gifts. We're not looking for uniformity. Um, we're looking for people to want to cooperate together to advance the kingdom. And so one of the questions we can ask them when they start doing something that's not, is this helping us advance the kingdom? And, um, are you looking to the interest of others? Are you clearing up relationships? You know, are you doing the hard attitudes? But uh, often we have to have that that uh, that conversation. If someone is just simply trying to be difficult on their own, then we have to confront them because actually, if you're not, what happens is you give away your leadership to the biggest malcontent in your church, and you've got to be afraid—not uh, afraid to not to be afraid uh, to to um, have difficulties and challenges yourself. I think John Maxwell said once. time, he he told his staff, you don't have to survive. That doesn't sound very fun. But if you lead scared all the time, then you're not actually leading. You're, they're leading you. And so sometimes you have to go through. You mentioned Bill Howell a while ago, but one of the things in his book, Honest to God, the very first chapter, he talked about the tunnel of chaos. And so sometimes you have to enter into a difficult conversation with a person directly, right? And once you do that, you'll see if they're teachable or not. And if they're growing or not, but they're just resistance, or maybe it's just misunderstanding. But you have the difficult, the hard conversation, or at least it may be difficult for you to have the conversation. And what can happen is you can actually have an enriched, deeper relationship. But to ignore it just allows it to continue to fester or to grow. And a lot of people are watching us. You know, when new pastors go into church and they are dealing with difficult people, maybe they've been difficult in the past. The, the most of the people in church are looking to see how that pastor are they going to address. This difficult person, they've already identified them. They've been watching them maybe for years or decades, and they want to know if we're actually going to lead or we're going to let them run over the top of us. And so you've got to be afraid not to lose some people um, because there's no telling uh, who you're not receiving. If you have a person that has a spirit, not just immaturity, not just an awkward step, but they have a they have a their heart is bent on being difficult and, and, and hurting the body. And we as the shepherd of the body have to actually address that.
0: So, Mickey, a lot of years of experience here. What happens, you know, as a military guy and as a pastor, if you don't deal with the problem? What if you just kind of like we've watched this in, in the world where we just kind of pulled out of Afghanistan or we walked away from this or that or the other. What happens when you don't deal with the situation of difficult People are a difficult culture in the church. What happens if a pastor doesn't address this
2: yeah we're well, real simple it's a mission failure right and uh, and we see it happening all over the world but especially in America, we see churches failing at an alarming rate and it's uh it's no different on a spiritual battlefield than it is on a physical battlefield if a leader isn't committed to the mission right and uh, I, I feel like so many leaders today um they're more worried about their own skin than they're worried about the outcome of the battle. And, uh, and and it just doesn't work. I mean, we, we have a faith because a leader was willing to sacrifice everything to not count the cost in order to accomplish the mission. And, and so many times I come across pastors, it's like they have one foot in, right? I mean, it's, 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 it's really the strangest thing. I mean, in fact, you know, as we talk about the Bullock Institute, you know, uh, which is this incredible uh, master's in biblical leadership. It's really the first of its kind in America. It's competency-based. And one of the reasons I'm so excited about it is because as part of our process, we're going to give future pastors uh, an understanding of actually how to also be entrepreneurs or run businesses if they need to. Because I think this happens all over America. I don't know what else I should do. Maybe
1: I'm supposed to be a pastor. Hmm. That's a good word. Let me just piggyback on that. You know, the Bible tells us over and over again to be strong and courageous. And we've mentioned we're at war. You know, we think of the church, we think about sheep and and in a field and everything's nice. But the reality is we're we're in a battle. We have a spiritual enemy, as you would say in the military, enemy always gets a vote. He's always alive and active. He's actually relentless. Doesn't get tired. Now, the one that's in us is greater than the one that's in the world. But is the reason over and over and over we see in the, in the Old Testament, be strong and courageous. And those are acts of faith. And it's not the absence of fear, but doing the very thing, doing the right thing. And leaders give away their leadership when they allow a difficult person or a person that is taking the church off its mission. One of the things I've always heard in terms of making decisions, and this works in the military, it, it should work in business and it certainly needs to work in the church. And that is, if you're a leader and you're dealing with a, whether it's a difficult person or a difficult situation. You make this type of sequential decision: what is best for the mission first, then the second level is what's in the best interest of others, and third, what's in my personal best interest. And so we often get that confused. It's easy kind of put ourselves up there. But let's assume that we're dealing with pastors. Maybe they don't think of themselves first. But if we're not careful, we we put peace above the mission. And Anybody that leads people forward has to keep the mission is first. And then then you think about the people that are carrying out the mission. But if you get that reverse and you start as a, as a leader, again, back on the battlefield or in a business world or in a church, you start making decisions to just keep the peace with people and don't address it. You're going to keep having them because actually we're all people, right? And, and we, we're trained. And we, if we, we do what makes sense to us, everybody does what makes sense to us. And if they can whine and complain and be difficult and get your attention, and whether they know it or not, they're taking the church and you off mission. And if you're going to lead, that's different. That's different than just being caretaking. We're not running hospice here in the local church, we're actually frontline on mission, advancing the kingdom. And that's that's what we try to do through the Bullock Institute. As you guys know, as our guest will learn over some time, we offer the Massive Arts of Biblical Leadership. But part of what that does, we do is not just learn in the classroom, because courage is not learned in the classroom. Character is actually not learned in the classroom. Um, you, you, skills aren't learned in the classroom. And so we train people not online and not in the classroom, but actually in context, in the mission field, just like you would do for a doctor, right? You would never want to have a doctor that lined up, gave you surgery, and he read a book. You want to know not that he could just do it and know about it and speak it out, but in the pressure of the moment, he could do it. And the only way you could do that is to, is to do that. And so I would encourage people um, towards that particular type of degree and look at what we're doing. But even if you don't need a degree, you got you to think about uh, being around people in your life and ministry that display courage. And you may have to borrow a little bit of that. Is, is until you develop enough of your own. And so we want to be bold and courageous, be strong and courageous, and we're we're at war. And we can advance and win, but we desperately need an uncertainty of the world. We've got to have pastors and ministry ministry leaders that have figured out who they are and who God is and who the enemy is, and their responsibility is primarily towards that mission, not to keep the people just happy. We're not we're not we're not running a hospitality business.
0: Wow. I want to just spring off that just a second, Will and, and Mickey, both. I think you've said some incredible things. And I wrote this quote down last week. It says, nothing sustains momentum like belonging to a tribe. And when we have brothers in the fight together, pastors who come together for each other, and we deal with those difficult people. I, I've In the past, I've led several churches and and uh, I've, I've had to walk away from a church because of just difficult people. People I thought who were my friends were not my friends. And I had to say, okay, am I going to stay here, pay attention to my retirement, or am I going to go and lead where I can lead effectively? So I had to make that decision. But in the past, I've had warriors who've gone with me, guys who've gone and knocked on some doors and said, you can't do that in this church. And every pastor needs to have a band of brothers, warriors around them, and you need to not have it only in your church, but you need to have it externally in other pastors. As part of the Bullock Institute vision, we want to create a tribe where, as I said, nothing sustains momentum like a tribe. And to have that, and then of course another one I wrote down is that, um, that when, when motivation ends, action ends. So when we're not motivated, we won't do. So we need to be motivated to do and to do those things in such a way that bring honor and glory to God. Difficult people will always be with us. So what? Lead anyway. As we say below I-10, suck it up, buttercup. That's the Northwest part of wisdom coming out in you. Suck it up, buttercup. Yeah.
2: One of the things you talked about there, which is really kind of interesting, is this idea of motivation. And I think a lot of times pastors are focused on the wrong things. And, you know, you really just have to look at your own biblical counseling and just apply it to yourself, right? I mean, some people come to us so many times, so many difficult things. The stories we all could tell about the people that sat across the desk in our offices and the problems they've said, it would blow people's minds, right? Um, but it, it, it applies to us. And I <laughs> It's like, it's like, just, just look in the mirror for a second, you know? So number one, pastor, I would tell you that what you're doing is an act of worship and the physical outcome is not the determinant on whether you're successful or not. And so I think so many times pastors want to look in the wake and they want to see success in their own eyes. That's not what the gospels calling us to number one. And so we can, we can take joy in an act of worship no matter what the outcome. I mean, I tell parents, this all the time, I tell parents, especially maybe who even um, have adopted, right? And there comes this place uh, in some adoptive parent's life where their kids say, well, you're not my mom or dad, so you can't boss me around, right? And it's this is crazy thing that happens, happens all over uh, adoptive homes all over the world. And, um, and so, you know, that's a great time uh, for those uh, parents to say, listen, you know, I'm not your birth parent. I actually chose to be your parent. And so I am choosing to love you no matter what the outcome. And I will not determine whether I have personal based upon what you do or how you act. I'm going to determine it as an act of worship in my life. So really, I'm worshiping God and loving you. And what you do in response is up to you, but is no determinant in my life. And I think pastors need to adopt that. We're not We're not loving people because of what they can give back to us. Uh, we're loving people because first Christ loved us and when I got that right in my mind, then if people we, we like to say uh, you know sheep will sheep all over you right and so and and, and you're going to be covered in it as a pastor, right It's okay it, it comes with the territory and uh, and it's just it's just part of your worship experience. so for me mindset is really 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 important and a pastor who gets that right, is going to be able to handle the waves uh, as they come because they are coming.
0: Yeah, there's some um, guys. There's a. I want to kind of shift our conversation just a little bit. The Bible's pretty clear about dealing with difficulties and difficult people. And and the sermon on the mount, Jesus says, if you're worshiping and you have something, your brother has something against you, go and make it right. Then in Matthew 18, he says. Go in private, go with a few, bring it to the body, and then treat them with honor from a distance is what he's saying. And then, but then at Titus, you know, Paul's writing to Titus, who's pastoring on the island of Cretes. And Cretes were called Cretans and uh, the difficult culture. And Paul said, warn a divisive person once, warn them the second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. Titus 3.10, they're self-condemned and warped. So there's this kind of this position of reconcile, reconcile, reconcile. Wait, wait a second. If this person is a chronic div- divider, we need to, to move past them. Move, move without them. Now, I've pastored a lot of churches in a lot of places, and there's only been one church where I've had to ask people to leave membership. And it was done in a in a structural context of leaders together speaking in that. So as a pastor, I should never have to say, you, you're out of here. But as a team, after analyzation, discussion, prayerfully go to someone with an attitude of repentance to say, what you're doing is not tolerated here, either come online or you need to move on. And that's the conversations we had to have. And unfortunately, uh, none of these people we approached today Repented, they all left, and then they created problems in the next church, and in the next church, and their next church. I think maybe we ought to have a uh, some kind of registry about problem people from church to church to church. That might be helpful, but I don't want to crack open a, a can of dysfunctional worms. But I don't know. What do you guys think about that use that do you
1: think that's helpful for pastors, leaders, to think it through in that way? well, well Scott, one of the things that seems to be me that I means pastors have to weigh the balance of when do I step in and when do I not step in? When is is this immaturity? Is this a one off? Right? We tend to want to correct on patterns, not on one time experiences. So we so we know that. Um, one of the things I would like to say is that um, when when the when the pastor speaks into an individual's life, um, what what really happens is the weight of the church is on that decision. So what we have to do, and I asked Mickey just a minute to address this, but one of the things we have to do is we have to develop people around us that have spiritual maturity because it's, it's easier to receive it if you're dealing with a difficult person from a person that is closer to them. Uh, Chuck Swindoll used to say you need two things to actually hold people accountable. You need proximity, close enough to them, have a relationship, which is Mickey's talked about that. And then in the second, you need permission. Well, if you have a covenant like we're going to commit to work on these seven hard attitudes, in essence, that's permission. And then I would encourage people to be in, in some t- type of team or small group. Because you can't disciple people from the pulpit. It just doesn't happen. The best you could deal with is concepts from the pulpit. Maybe they develop a conviction. But that's a long way from putting it in practice, putting it in practice under testing, and then it becoming part of their character. It, it, preaching matters, but it's not the totality. It is actually not where a life change takes place best. It actually is in relationship with people. And so what we want to do is we want to raise up a band of brothers, but the pastor needs to be pouring his life into some, some particularly some men, but also to some some ladies or some mature spiritual ladies that need to be pouring into other other ladies that come coming into the church. Because if the pastor just speaks only into when there's problems and difficulties, if he's the only one addressing them, then the, again, the weight of the church is on that. And so I'd like kind of Mickey to, to address just a minute the importance of a pastor discipling some people around him so that whether it's the small group leaders, because if a person is a small group if there's a problem, it's a person who is a problem, a problem person, then ideally the small group leader or the Sunday school teacher or the leader of the choir or whatever ministry they're in would address the issue. Because then the weight of the church is not on it. That doesn't mean we can't speak and that we shouldn't speak, but it's really important for us to have a, a band around us beyond just our voice. Mickey?
2: Yeah, you know, I th- I think
1: it's really, really important to make sure as a
2: pastor, you have the right tribe around you. Uh, You know, we have this old saying, you know, that, um, you know, you will not graduate ranger school by yourself. Uh, The original idea of this idea of ranger comes from, you know, uh, one of my mentors uh, um, uh, is uh, General David Grange and uh, his father is, is also General David Grange. And there's something called the uh, best ranger competition. It's usually on ESPN every year. It's the equivalent of doing something like four Hawaii Ironmans back to back without sleeping uh, While jumping out of airplanes and blowing up things and shooting things. It's incredible and so it's named after a uh, general Grange and um, and it's done in buddy teams and uh, You know, there's this thing that happens when uh, Sometimes you get tired and cannot carry your rucksack anymore and, and keep up with the team and 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 in the world when that happens you just fall to the side and die. Uh, but uh, but if you have a ranger buddy or part of a, 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 a an elite team, then your friend's going to grab your rucksack for you and carry it till you catch your breath. And then you're going to hand it back. And then later, when he gets tired and needs someone, you're going to pick him up, right? And that's such a powerful thing. Most pastors don't have that uh, will, to your point. And as a result, sometimes they're unwilling to act. There's this great quote that came from Uh, Art Dupinck, who was uh, one of Napoleon's, uh, maybe chief of staff, at least he was one of his lieutenants, and um, he had this saying that uh, four men and a lion, and he he would would even say four brave men who do not know each other, when confronted by a lion, will not attack, but four less brave men, confident of each other's mutual support, will attack every time. And, uh, you know, that's, there's so... it's one of the greatest problems in the church today is that pastors are alone. And uh and that's one of the beautiful things about really this bullock uh enterprise, uh, not in the sense of commercials and a nonprofit, but in the sense of what we're trying to accomplish. It's a network and it's 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 the idea of helping pastors lock arms. You know, I, I would also say that I was reminded just preparing for this deal, uh, for this podcast, there's a story that came out of Afghanistan early early on, and a good friend of mine invented the tourniquet as I don't know how many people's lives he saved. Uh, and, um, and he invented it because of a mass casualty event early in the Afghanistan war. Well, some people uh, took this tourniquet and, um, and, and actually kind of, st- st- uh, gotta be careful what I say here. But I haven't named any names, but another group tried to build a tourniquet that wasn't as uh, effective as his, maybe didn't have the same materials. Um, um, and so they got these tourniquets in Afghanistan, and an uh, operator was uh, on the ground, hit by a mine, lost both his legs. And so the medic jumps in, throws the tourniquets on him, and the windlass and the tourniquets broke. Uh, and thankfully, the medic had been deeply trained. And so, whereas if that might have been a less trained person, that, that operator would have died in this case, they, we, we were, you know, in the military, generally speaking, if you're in the combat arms, infantry, airborne range, or whatever, special forces, Navy, so you're trained how to make, uh, uh, tourniquets out of nothing, uh, if, if needed. And, um, and so he was able to, to, to create a tourniquet and, and save this operator's life. Uh, the interesting thing is, um, special operations command had built this system of of coordination and locking arms among units so that within hours, every special operations unit in the world knew that there's a problem with the tourniquets and how to fix it. And uh, and what I see across the church is so many times there are pastors, they, they they come across this situation, they don't know who to call, they don't know who they can trust, right? And so they just flub along trying to do it themselves. It's a terrible way of doing, uh, doing business. Um, And I think that's really important for pastors to know that there is a place they can go for real answers. Because as a pastor, I would go back to that illustration. You're either going to be the operator on the ground, you know, needing to be tourniqueted, or you're going to be the medic having to tourniquet someone. And uh, if if you're in 2022, and hey, even if you're a college student saying, I want to be a pastor, okay, great. And you're thinking, I want to be on stage, I want people clapping for me. That's like three percent of the job. Ninety-seven percent of the job is taking is taking fire, and someone having to tourniquet you, right? Or you having to tourniquet someone else. And so, if you're not in it right for the long haul and understanding, it's going to be a incredible. I would not change professions for the world. You know, um, every time something crazy happens, my my wife oftentimes will say, "Are you sure you want to be a pastor?" And you know, my response to her is like, I didn't want ever want to be a pastor. The pastor is like the last thing I actually ever wanted to do. It's, there's a long story there. I'm called to be a pastor. And so I said, honey, I am a pastor. It's not a choice. It's a calling. And so um, when you don't have that right in your mind, you're going to hit some very difficult obstacles and you're going to be challenged. And then to Scott and Will's point, if you don't have a team around you to carry your ruck when you need it and you're just going to be a casualty on the side of the road. Right. And so I would encourage pastors not only to, as, as Hebrews tells us, right, just to strengthen our weak knees, but also to make sure you find that tribe that
0: can come alongside and carry your rucksack when needed. So dealing with difficult people is probably why in the world did we want to launch this podcast with that topic? I'm going to let you two guys answer that, but I think it's going to be helpful And guys, uh, the gals that are listening, I pray this will be helpful. So uh, tune in, subscribe, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, leave us a comment because we really want to hear from you. And what are some other topics that you'd like to hear us address? You've got um, three of us here that are, gosh, combined within us over 100 years of leadership. Um, I'm almost there by myself. So we can can garnish this wisdom and share it with you. And then we can share it with each other as we build a community of leading together, proven leaders through the Bullock Institute, Bullock Consulting, Bullock Coaching, all for Jesus. Guys, thanks for joining today. And we look forward to a, a podcast coming soon. I hope this has helped.